we are back, and I happily welcome all of you back for Season 4, Episode 26 of JV to the Pros, as we deliberately took a few extra days before doing Episode 26, as the Midsummer Classic is upon us, as baseball tucks in and puts to bed 92 games of a 162 game season and we get to take a look at who's living up to expectations and who is falling apart now we're going to talk about teams that are stumbling over their own feet while other teams that were not expected to rise to the top are not only rising but ruling their division and becoming a threat in both leagues we're going to talk about the best team in baseball as they finish the first half of the season against their longtime rival and sent a message in that division. We're going to talk about those going to the All-Star game and those that should be there but are forced to watch it with the rest of us. I want to, I want to talk to you about the always enjoyable home run derby at Dodger Stadium as one player goes for a three-peat while another competes as he is about to walk into the sunset at the age of 42, and he's competing in the home run competition against the kids. I also want to talk to you about a special rookie competing with a familiar nickname who has to face the two-time defending champion, and he keeps his composure. I'm going to talk about the actual All-Star game and whether or not I like the new format in the event of a tie after nine innings. Most of you are not aware of what that new format is. And I'd, I'd love it if I got your feedback on what Major League Baseball has done to keep the game from going into extra innings. I also want to talk about a rule I had no idea about until I watched the Red Sox-Yankees game as it went into extra innings. My jaw dropped as to what baseball added to the game in the event of extra innings during the regular season. Now, this has nothing to do with the All-Star game. This has to do with regular season baseball, and I was shocked to see them kind of morph the game the way they did. <sighs> um... I, I sort of understand why they changed the rules for the All-Star game, but that doesn't mean I like it, nor does it mean I agree with, you know, twisting the game to accommodate and coordinate with advertisers, because that's exactly what's going on. Advertisers buy airtime, but really, nobody buys airtime in advance in anticipation of extra innings. Nobody in corporate America sets money aside and puts those funds on hold in the event of a game going into extra innings. So let me fill you in on what baseball has done to fill those gaps of TV time after the nine innings have run their course. Now, get ready to contour your face and um, you'll be able to figure it out. I want to talk to you about the ongoing January 6th hearings that appear to be digging the political grave of one Donald J. Trump, the scump. I will talk to you about Trump's attempts at witness tampering as the evidence just keeps piling up against him. And it keeps piling up against his, his lack of integrity. 
I will talk to you about my prediction. Once these hearings complete, as this drama now moves to prime time TV with more and more witnesses coming forward as a very clear picture of who Donald Trump really is and why he poses a serious threat to America. I also want to talk to you about a scenario with Trump that, that nobody has mentioned yet. I think, I think it will give many of you something to think about with my thoughts on that topic. I'm going to chat with you about a glaring look at the two-tiered system of justice in America. I'm going to simplify a couple of examples of slanted justice that are not only inexplicable but unjustifiable in my eyes. I also want to point out that my ability to find these examples took me all of about two minutes, which is insulting to those that have been arrested, fingerprinted, and jailed for much less, with much less evidence, yet this is our system of justice. So, before I start the show, I'd like to shout out an alert of an upcoming guest who is a friend of mine and a Hall of Famer in their chosen profession, and they will be a guest on this show soon, as we've been communicating to just coordinating our schedules so that we we can set time aside to have a chat in the wake of them reaching the ultimate level of their chosen professional of not just only respect but achieving immortality in their professional career i'm very excited about that upcoming interview and um i've been trying to make this happen on the show for about two years now also, this guest has quite the announcement for our listeners and for their fans. Frankly, they wanted to not share that certain announcement with me until the upcoming interview, but through my normal connections in my career, I accidentally found out, and I'm not sure I'll tell them until we're on the air, so exciting stuff ahead for the show. Last thing I want to get into before starting the show and getting into the topics I've laid on the table is why there has been a, such a long delay between our last episode, 25, and this episode, 26. Well, I was the top candidate for the lead in a rom-com or romantic comedy, as many of you know it. This particular role for an actor comes along once in a long time or maybe once at all. I, I really was excited about this role, not just because it was the lead role, because I've done plenty of lead roles. I mean, I'm a lead actor. But the back and forth took not just plenty of time, but also took, it really took its toll on my heart. So let me explain as best I can, um, as there is still a professional confidentiality, even though I wasn't asked to sign a confidentiality agreement, but there still is a professional confidentiality. So let me um, tell you what happened here. And um, There was this screenwriting competition held by a pair of very famous brothers that have directed and produced several 
successful feature films. I'm sure many of you can guess who I'm talking about, as I can't tell you as of now. But I will be able to once that project is done. So, they hold this competition, and the winner is, is selected to produce their script, but there are rules attached to this award. This script is to be produced with a very generous financial grant, making it easily possible for any talented filmmaker to put together a very good product as long as they know how to make a feature film. Basically, these brothers held this contest to find the next raw filmmaker who can do a lot with not a lot. Now, this person was saddled with the responsibility of doing all the line producing, auditioning, directing, editing, etc. That said, several people were asked to audition for several roles. A good longtime friend of mine got the sides, which are a few pages of the script chosen by the director or producer for that role, to be that signature moment in the film, and they want to see what each actor does with their opportunity of this small slice of the script to see if they get the gist of, of what the production company and the director are looking for in this character. See, acting is, uh, is much more than what you see on the screen. Just trust me on this. So this friend of mine saw what was sent to him and realized that this role is much more suited for me than pretty much anyone else. That's quite a compliment, right? Well, this, um, this friend of mine, so my friend sent me the contact information on this contest winner, and I reached out to him via email and sent him some of my work and, you know, that applied to what he was looking for. Uh, I sent him similar stuff that I've done to match up to what he's looking for in regard to this project. He checked out my work and replied the same night and sent some different sides for me to read for him. Well, the audition was specified for a specific afternoon at a certain time, and I showed up 90 minutes early to just kind of absorb the energy of the room and rehearse my movements to use, you know, use the area to my advantage as I do these scenes. That said, the director let me know that I killed the audition, which is a good term in this business. I killed it. And he sounded sold on having me play this role, but respectfully told me that he had an obligation to audition everyone that he asked to come in. And I completely understood that. I completely understood. I completely respected that. I mean, it, it's not unusual for the, for the first actor to make a huge first impression and then other actors come in and you know, come in behind them and they, they, they put a spin on the character that makes the director rethink his original thoughts on who to cast in that role. So, I make this great impression and I kill 
movie audition and we play with the character a little bit in various ways that the director told me would give us plenty to work with in the in the editing room once we're done shooting all good right so far so good well I started hearing from other friends of mine who are actors that were auditioning for the same production and they're telling me that the director couldn't help but tell the other actors that came in behind me about me and my audition and how impressive it was. Well, it's quite a compliment again, right? So, I get the part. Yay! I get the part! Yay! <laughs> anyway, so... Later that same night, I get an email from the director asking if I'm in SAG, which is the Screen Actors Guild. And um, I say, yes, do you need my, my info for the union? That's when I'm told that possibly one of the conditions of, of him winning this contest is that he must make this film without using seasoned veteran actors but instead non-union actors and make them perform at the level we're used to seeing from seasoned veteran actors immediately i started to try to figure out a way around this rule but frankly it turned out to be more of a wish list for me instead of reality there is in fact a way around that rule but he really didn't want to bend or break any rules as he feels that this is a great responsibility to do the right thing by those that held this contest in the first place and respect the rules outright. He wants to play by the rules in full so that he can prove himself to these two very famous brothers that are also producers and directors and work together. As it turns out, this film contest winner actually knows my producer of my TV show, Promised Land, and wants to continue to be respectful of the rules to make this rom-com. And he finally came to the conclusion, now this is days of back and forth, and he finally comes to the conclusion that he will have to make this film without his first choice for lead actor, which is, ta-da! me. Now, I am interested in seeing the finished product once it's done, and I'd like to see what the actor that he chose to do the part, you know, that I thought I had. I want to see what this actor does in this role and, and what he does with the character. From a prof professional standpoint, I am curious as to whomever lands this role, what they what their interpretation is of it you know i'm so rooting for this director slash writer and i i do hope we find ourselves working together on something in the future trust me he and i have a great connection i can tell we'd make beautiful film together <laughs> so in between episodes 25 and this episode i ended up in negotiations for this role so to answer your question, yes, 
I miss doing the show for you. Now, I'm doing the show for you. And we are on to episode 26 of season four. Now, we're going to start with the January 6th hearings that are heating up under Donald Trump's butt and his illegal activity and actions are becoming more and more apparent to the American public as we all are witnessing crimes on such a great scale that this is making infamous Watergate look like the equivalent of someone cheating at Scrabble. This is a horrifying look at a tyrant doing anything and everything to remain in power against the will of the people and the outcome of the voting people. The, the question I keep waiting for, like from this panel that's holding the hearings is, what if Donald Trump won the 2020 election and then after serving out his second term as president, he decided that he'd simply prefer to remain dictator. Oh, I'm sorry, not dictator. President. And he is probably in that situation likely to assemble a similar crowd to demand through violence and go against the Constitution of the United States to not give up his position as his term as president has run out and then absolutely interrupt and block the peaceful transition of power, which has gone on for over 200 years smoothly until Donald Trump. Now, just think about that. Trump is so desperate for control and power and success since he's actually had nearly no success in any of his business ventures ever. Almost everything he's done has failed. That he looked at the presidency as finally having a chance to prove himself. Well, Donnie Trump, baby at large, very large, you failed as president. You failed to win the popular vote twice. <laughs> you surrounded yourself with schmucks and other failures along with several disgusting blights of society that you have been exposed as the scumbag, poor decision-making, cowardly, failed leader you really are. Now, being the president doesn't make you want... You're not... See, you don't get to enhance who you are. But instead, being the president actually exposes who you really are. And Donald Trump, you're a piece of garbage that puts your bottomless ego before serving anyone but yourself. You didn't care about Mike Pence, your vice president. You were even letting them chant to hang him, and you were saying nothing to stop it. You didn't call in the National Guard as our capital was being attacked on your command. And that's not me saying this. That's members of the Proud Boys. That's members of these other groups that you were in contact with saying, look, we thought we were acting on the orders of the president. Now, 
this is not a good quality. If you're hired to serve a country and really what you're doing is serving yourself. Your admiration for dictators in the hopes that you could be one that nobody can fire completely really backfired on you. And now your efforts to derail this Jan January 6th investigative uh, committee by trying to contact witnesses. Yeah, Donald Trump was actually reaching out to witnesses that they were calling to find out their perspective and their testimony of what happened and sway the way they would be testifying shows everyone who you really are. If you were doing nothing wrong, you wouldn't need to be contacting these people. You just let them testify. Witnesses are coming forward with not only testimony of what they witnessed in your childish behavior and are exposing you as the moron you really are, but also they're telling that same committee that you've been trying to get them on the phone before they testify to the truth to get them to tell the committee your Trump Giuliani version of the truth to make your decisions and illegal activity not be shown to America and not be shown to those that believed in you. You, you disgust me, Donald Trump, because you're pathetic, idiotic, immoral, criminal, and you're without integrity. I think it's time to take down those Trump 2024 banners as Trump will be serving time for various felonies by the time the 2024 election comes around. Giuliani and Eastman don't make any plans to travel anywhere just yet. We have a cell waiting for you, and it's not a cell phone. The ratings via the genuine natural curiosity of Americans coast to coast have forced these hearings to go from like 10 in the morning to 1 in the afternoon to prime time at 8 p.m. on network TV. Trump, even your proud boys are on to you and are coming forward to testify against your actions on January 6th. Donald Trump... You coordinated the attack on our capital, and you will be held accountable. Get used to wearing handcuffs, as you're not getting a pardon by anybody from any party. For once in your life, you'll be forced to pay for your tantrums. Now, let's take a break to acknowledge one of our sponsors, but more than that, one of my dearest friends, as he is absolutely family to us. Although Paul Sorrentino is the employer lawyer and does a fantastic job at keeping those of you that do the hiring and create jobs from being wrongfully attacked by employees, but also Paul Sorrentino of Jackson Lewis, make sure your business or your company or your corporation remains safe from this kind of attack. So. So basically, so that you can keep doing business as business should be done. <laughs> that said, contact Paul Sorrentino at 619-573-4900 and ask for Paul Sorrentino, the 
employer, lawyer, and tell them you heard about them on JV to the pros. Also, I'd like to take a moment to express our condolences to that same Paul Sorrentino as he lost his role model friend, his father, this week. And it's with a heart filled with great sorrow as we send our love to my best friend and teammate, Paul Sorrentino, during these tough times of loss for him. And frankly, for all of us, as we've lost a great man and his dad. Now, Paul will be coming on the show in the weeks to come to discuss the Supreme Court's ruling about Roe v. Wade and how it affects all of us and what happens now. He was actually scheduled to come on the show as his dad took a, a an unexpected turn for the worse and then um and then things went really south so um when paul gets back in town we'll make arrangements and we'll have him come on but we'll also um um ask paul to explain president biden's executive order making abortion available to all women across america paul will let us know when he's ready to share the legal ramifications of what's happening with all those moving parts with the Supreme Court and the president, etc. So our condolences to Paul Sorrentino and the loss of his dad. And uh, we are with you. Our hearts are with you, Paul. Now, um, I want to talk to you about something that used to be a rare thing in our system of justice, but now it's become more evident than ever and i'd like to shine a light on this slanted system of justice i'm going to focus on just one area of uneven justice in america and that area is justice when someone in law enforcement breaks the law and how it's handled like i said i'll, I'll be keeping this very simplified but i'll also point out that this is nothing short of brazen the way this is handled amongst law enforcement. Now, let me just bring up a, a couple of unbelievable examples out of thousands that show how law enforcement seems to not live by the same rules and laws that the rest of us live by. Now, now listen to this. A sheriff's deputy in North Dakota was arrested for DUI after crashing into a car wash. Now, according to the Cass County Sheriff's Office, um, Deputy Jacob Danielson was driving his own personal vehicle when he crashed at Custom Express Car Wash in South Fargo, um, and it was early evening. It was about 6 o'clock. So it's about 6 o'clock in the evening, and he's driving drunk. But in this case, two of Danielson's children were in the vehicle with him at the time of the crash. Though neither one of the kids was injured, and actually nor was Danielson, who was subsequently, subsequently arrested for driving under the influence of alcohol with a minor president, present. Now, Danielson is a licensed correctional deputy 
at the Cass County Jail, where he has been employed since May of 2020. So he hasn't been on the job very long. And he's on the job all of about two years. And all of a sudden, he's on administrative leave pending further investigation. The statement from the Cass County Sheriff's Office is, in order to maintain the trust of the citizens we serve, the Cass County's office will, be, will strive to be accountable and transparent in these types of situations. Although we realize that police officers can make mistakes, they are not above the law and need to maintain a high level of professionalism at all times and be held accountable when necessary. Now that said, I think most of us, if we are driving drunk and we, oh, I don't know, we turn around and crash into a car wash. I think most of us will find that we'll be arrested. But here's the kicker. I think most of us will also find that we'll probably have our kids taken away. I mean, it's, I know it's Fargo, North Dakota, but um, it's still, I, I mean, they would step in and say, okay, you seem to be a danger to your kids. If you would put your kids in a car at 6 o'clock at night and drive drunk with the kids in the car and crash into something, yeah, I think we probably need to take those kids away. But that didn't happen in this situation. He's on paid administrative leave, even though he failed a sobriety test and was arrested for drunk driving with his kids in the car. And because he's a sheriff, it really didn't get handled the way it does for, you know, Joe Citizen. Now, let me... Let me give you another example okay and this is um, a story out of california and it's about a highway patrol officer now an on-duty california highway patrol officer was arrested for dui okay he was arrested for dui guess where he was arrested he was arrested in the parking lot of the chp office at the police station on California Boulevard in San Luis Obispo. And this happened more than a month ago. And I didn't hear anything about it on the news. But um, the officer was showed up for work drunk and then got behind the wheel of a cruiser drunk. He moved the car about 10 feet before he was arrested by other officers at the station. Now, let me... Let me point something out to you here. Let me just read this whole story to you. Um, the officer was not booked into jail, nor was his mugshot taken. On the morning of July 27th, Officer Gary Dana drove his BMW to the CHP officer, put on, excuse me, to the CHP office, put on his uniform, got into his squad car, 
and drove about 10 feet before he was arrested for driving under the influence. Dana had a blood alcohol content of 0.15. Now, in California, the legal dividing line of when you're considered drunk is 0.08. So he's twice the legal limit. Now, Dana later admitted to consuming, get this, a single vodka cranberry at 9 p.m. the night before. 9 p.m. the night before, he had one single vodka cranberry. And nine hours later, he was twice the legal limit. At about 5.30 a.m. on July 27th, Sergeant Diego Flores noticed that Dana, or Dana, I think it's Dana, was not at the morning briefing. A few minutes later, Dana walked into the briefing room, flicked on a second set of lights, and then complained about the brightness. And this, according to the arrest report. Flores noticed that Dana's eyes were bloodshot and that he appeared to be intoxicated. Following the briefing, Flores instructed Dana to meet him in the sergeant's room. Instead, Dana took a set of keys from the CHP vehicle key board and left the office. Flores trailed Dana to the parking lot and found the intoxicated officer sitting in a squad car with the engine running. Flores again ordered Dana to meet him in the sergeant's room before driving the patrol car. Nevertheless, Dana backed up the patrol car and began to drive toward the CHP facility gate. Now this is a quote. I hollered at Dana to stop as he shifted to drive to, and drove forward approximately 10 feet before he was ordered to stop. Flores wrote in the arrest report, I opened the passenger door and ordered Dana to place the vehicle in park and turn the engine off. Now, this isn't the way officers handle Joe Citizen. I mean, they're going to grab a bunch of guys, especially at a police station, and they're going to just pull that guy out forcefully, throw him on the floor, and cuff him. But this guy is a CHP officer. So Dana, with the passenger door open, turned the engine off, and handed the keys to Flores. Flores then escorted Dana to the sergeant's room, conducted a DUI evaluation, and arrested the officer for drunk driving. But he didn't really arrest him. Not really, really arrest him. He said you're under arrest, you're under arrest but you're not going to you know, do the whole mug shot and go to jail thing and have to get that one phone call and plead with somebody to find you a lawyer. He didn't have to do any of that stuff. He is, quote-unquote, arrested for drunk driving. Following his arrest, Dana changed back into his civilian clothes following his arrest. I guess in the cell, they must have had civilian clothes, the cell he was not in. Changed back into his civilian clothes as he waited for his wife to give him a ride home. Dana, CHP drunk driving officer Dana, continues to work full time for the CHP, which includes 
patrol duties, according to Lieutenant Mike Brown. Now, this guy, this guy <laughs> is caught drunk driving. And he is, quote unquote, arrested. Not really arrested, arrested, just the kind of arrested where you say it. It's kind of like a Monopoly game. And then he gets to change into his other clothes because you can't have him going home in a police uniform drunk. And then he gets to call his wife to come pick him up while his BMW sits safe and sound at the CHP station. Now, look, we here at JV to the pros and my family and my friends, we support law enforcement, completely support. We understand they've got an incredible, incredibly difficult job. I mean, they're playing counselor and referee and mentor and role model and 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 yet they're still trying to enforce the law while while people are you know going about the streets trying to figure out a way to get a piece of video that's going to make police officers look bad i understand they've got a tough tough job a job that's never been tougher but that doesn't mean you get to do these things and not have to go through the process like the rest of us so all I can say about those two stories is that it's obvious that those of us who are not working in law enforcement, we are not treated on the, on the same playing field as those who are sworn to uphold the law for all. That means for everybody. Man, those stories bothered me. And when I went looking for stories in which officers were caught breaking the law and what if anything happened to them i was surprised at how many pages and pages and pages came up there were stories from all over the country about officers just i mean they're driving the squad cars home at 95 miles an hour on residential streets i could have pulled up a hundred stories those are two very prime examples of how police officers are treated when they break the law. So I'm going to let that kind of set in. And now we're going to give props to another one of our longtime sponsors, and that's Rob Van Dam's CBD oil. You go to rvdcbd.com and look at how much relief you get for very little money. Pharmaceutical companies are making a fortune and doling out very little product while Rob Van Dam's CBD oil costs much less and relieves much more. Also, if you put JV to the pros in the promo box, you'll get, I, I think it's 10 or 20% off your purchase. Now, a small container of Rob Van Dam's CBD oil lasts a very long time and it doesn't take much cream to spread out on your skin and start the relief from muscle soreness or pain immediately. Go to rvdcbd.com and give Rob Van Dam's CBD oil a try. You won't regret it. 
Rob Van Dam, Hall of Fame pro wrestler with the WWE, has been a friend of this show and a friend of mine for several years. And I use this product and I love it. And you should too. Okay. Let's get after it in sports as this has been that time of year for the Midsummer Classic, the All-Star Game in Major League Baseball. Basically, these guys want to have fun and it's much like summer baseball camp for these guys who, for the most part, all know each other and they love competing against one another. And now it's time for the best from each team in each league, American and national, to face off on the biggest and only stage for baseball on the planet on one night. The whole baseball world focuses on the All-Star Game and Major League Baseball throws in the celebrity softball game and, of course, the home run derby competition in, in which... 259 home runs were hit by the eight candidates chosen by baseball to compete for the home run derby this year. By the way, Juan Soto won the competition this year, knocking off the two-time defending champion. So, good for him. Now, these baseballs at the home run competition are being soft-tossed to Major League Baseball players who are used to hitting 90-plus mile-an-hour sliders for home run and 100-plus mile-an-hour fastballs for home runs. And now they're being given 40-mile-an-hour balls being thrown by batting practice coaches who are putting the ball exactly where the pro player wants it so they can crush it for about 450 feet at a time. I mean, these guys are scouted, met with, considered, negotiated with, and voted on before being handed a contract worth tens of millions of dollars because they can hit baseballs being thrown at ungodly speeds with twists and bends and tails that used to only be imagined in video games, and now they're being thrown soft meatballs at slow speeds to crush with all their might for that ball to go as far as their body of strength and power along with the knowledge of how to read a baseball in flight so that said baseball will be launched as high and as far as possible all for the entertainment of fans who want to imagine that they can do this simply by applying themselves while fans are cheering at the height and length of each hit. Now, that said, I mean, none of these guys, they, you know, none of them want to get hurt during this. It's an exhibition of, of pseudo-baseball for an evening of, of basically fantasy baseball of the best of the best from each team. And many of the heroes of baseball, uh, of baseball fans, many of them get to see what would happen and what could happen if each league were compiled of only the upper tier or the upper tier of all the best ball players in the world. So now fans get to see 
like they don't get to see a guy hitting 209 they get to see a guy hitting 320 and the guy behind him is hitting 340 i mean they get to see guys that are crushing it against the best pitching on the planet and now they all get to face each other as they ratchet it up with the best of the best of the best battling it's a it's it's a ratings bonanza as the options and choices for all baseball fans are are just completely limited to one game on one channel in one stadium on one night. You know, talk about compressing the market. Now, the American League, they have won the previous eight straight All-Star games, and they, once again, found a way to keep that streak going with their ninth straight consecutive win in a row against the old National League. Now, this wasn't a blowout or anything. I mean, it was a 3-2 game. Frankly, the National League spent the final four innings one home run swing from tying the game as as it was 3-2 for the back half of the game. The only problem was during the actual All-Star game, (laughs) nobody was throwing... Those home run derby pitches, like 45-mile-an-hour balls in the sweet spot for the batter, that wasn't happening. These guys brought out their competitive spirit, and they wanted to win. Now, once the game starts, their competitive nature just comes roaring out. And that's the way athletes are. I got to see a relief pitcher from the Cardinals named Helsley who was consistently throwing 102 and 103 mile an hour fastballs with a 92 mile an hour slider, then back to bullets over 100 miles an hour. I mean, it was awesome. It was just awesome. I mean, this guy was very impressive. And as was Padres uh, (coughs) starting pitcher, uh, Joe No-No, because he threw a no-no, he threw a no-hitter. Joe Musgrove, who showed up threw strikes, and conquered everyone he faced. Giancarlo Stanton hit a 457-foot home run, which happened to hit the seats that he and his father used to sit in when they'd get tickets for Dodger games. And Stanton, with that game-winning home run, was named... only. By the way, he was named the MVP, but he's only the third Yankee ever. To be named MVP of the All-Star Game. Jeter was the first Yankee ever. And he was named MVP in 2000. Then Mariano Rivera. He got the title in 2010. And now Stanton won it this year. I have to say it was a, a fun game. As several of the players were mic'd up. While they were on the field. And they got to show off their personalities. Along with their talent as a baseball player. One pitcher had a mic on him while he was on the mound and he kept having a full-on conversation with the broadcasters while trying to read the batters and the changing of signs from his catcher and keeping an eye on base runners, etc. I thought it was a really demanding juggling job of multitasking by a pro pitcher. And he was pretty funny as well. I mean, he was quite a character. One of the things um, that they changed about the All-Star Game is that in the event 
of a tie game after nine innings, each league will send out three players in a home run competition. And each of these three players will be pitched three pitches each in basically a mini home run derby. And if there's a tie after all three batters bat from each league, then one batter from each league will receive three pitches and then the other batter from the other league will receive three pitches. And if that ends in a tie, they do it again until they have a winner. Frankly, I thought this was a little bit little league-ish. I'd rather they play baseball until they have a winner, like, like the old days. I understand those rule changes for the celebrity softball game and the home run derby, but when it comes to the featured game, the marquee situation of what everybody's there for, and it's being played by the best of the best, playing their best under the rules that they play by all year should be the way it goes. I think it would discourage managers from blowing through the bullpen. You know, if they only have 10 or 11 pitchers and those pitchers, you know, are all done by the ninth inning and you're going into the 10th, you're, you're stuck. So I think in that regard, I think the game should remain the same. I don't think it should become... Um, you know, home run derby thing at the end to try to kind of speed things up. The other thing I, I, I found out in the last series before the Midsummer Classic break, before the All-Star break, I was watching the Red Sox and Yankees and the Red Sox and Yankees at Yankee Stadium found themselves in a tie game after nine innings. And I thought, okay, no big deal. Going into 10th inning, we'll just go extra innings. I didn't realize that Major League Baseball decided to have a ghost runner start each half of each inning. So basically what they do is if the game is tied after nine, you go into the 10th inning and let's say, okay, top of the 10th, the Red Sox in Yankee Stadium, the Red Sox would be batting first. The Red Sox get to put what they call a ghost runner on second base. They get to take somebody off the bench and put them on second base. And then they begin the inning. So they've got a runner in scoring position to start the inning. That's the way they're dealing with extra innings. And this game had a runner in scoring position. And the runner scored. Then the Yankees had the runner in scoring position in the bottom of the inning. And the Yankees scored. And then they went into the 11th. And I just thought, this is silly. Why not just play baseball? Why have a ghost runner? And now, I mean, all you need is a single. Somebody gets a single within three outs and that guy scores. I just, I just don't like it. You know, I just don't. I just, it's not the way the rules are written. It's not baseball. And I don't know why they changed it other than the fact that there aren't any advertisers putting money down for extra inning games. They're not dropping forty dollars or $50,000 on a commercial hoping that the 10th or 11th inning rolls around. So I, I, I didn't like it, and I was very surprised that um, 
that baseball signed off on that. But um, but I guess if both teams are doing it and both teams are playing by the same rules, you know, there's no home field advantage. I I I guess you know it's 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 fair for everybody. But I also think it has to do with where each team is in the batting order at the end of nine inning regulation. Because if one team is coming to their two, three, four, five, six batter, while the other team is doing their seven, eight, nine, one batter, yeah, then one team obviously has an advantage. So anyway, speaking of the rules, speaking of playing by the rules, let's talk about the employer lawyer. Yes, again, because the last time I talked about him on the show today, um, I talked more about um, the loss of Paul Sorrentino's dad. So um, I want to talk about Paul Sorrentino of Jackson Lewis. Now, Paul represents those of you who built a company or a small business or even a corporation, and now you find yourself under attack by an employee or a group of employees that decided to team up. And they want what you've earned. And Paul does everything within the rules of law... He stays within the rules of law to make sure that if you're in the right, the right thing will happen for you. And that threat will legally go away as long as you have Paul Sorrentino representing your business. Call Paul Sorrentino at 619-573-4900 and tell him that you heard about him on JV to the Pros and let Paul Sorrentino take care of this for you. Paul Sorrentino is that lawyer who will give you peace of mind so you can concentrate on what got your business where it is. Paul Sorrentino, 619-573-4900, the employer lawyer. Now, zipping around the sports universe, I want to talk about a couple of things that happened this week. First of all, Everyone knows that um, Baker Mayfield is no longer with the Cleveland Browns. He is now with the Carolina Panthers. Well, the Carolina Panthers decided to change their uniforms to just black, which will be so much fun on very hot days. So Baker Mayfield, who left chilly, gloomy Cleveland to beautiful Carolina, only to find out he has to wear a jet black uniform redesigned by the Panthers organization. Well, one word, Baker, hydrate. Last thing I want to cover in sports is Simone Biles was honored at the White House this past week with the highest honor awarded to any civilian in America, the Medal of Freedom. One of the greatest Olympic athletes America has ever produced was given the greatest honor possible by the President of the United States as he put that medal around her neck and thanked her for all she's done for this country. Simone Biles then enjoyed the festivities that come with this honor before boarding a plane home. Upon boarding this plane, our beloved Simone Biles, four foot nine, of Olympic threat, our Olympic hero, our four foot nine giant, was heading home with a proud smile on her face, only 
to step on the plane and have the stewardess who was welcoming welcoming her on the plane the stewardess offered her a coloring book <laughs> she, she 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 sees Simone Biles coming onto the plane first of all i think it's just blasphemous that she didn't recognize Simone Biles, but then she offers Simone a coloring book. <sighs> Biles had to explain that she's 25 years old and the medal around her neck is the medal of freedom just given to her by the president. She also explained if she decides to have a drink, she better not be ID'd. I'm sure she was given every comfort that airline can possibly offer to this American jewel. And I'm sure Simone was more than happy with the way she was treated for the rest of that flight all the way to her destination. All right. I'd like to thank our sponsors, Rob Van Dam and his miraculous CBD oil, and Paul Sorrentino, the employer lawyer, and all the great work he does for his clients. Also, I'd like to take a moment to express our condolences to Paul and all that know Paul, and as he he lost his dear father this week. I know I mentioned it earlier, but you know this is my best friend and. It breaks my heart that he's like so far away. I can't just, you know, just give him a big hug. So um, his dad is a man that I loved very much. I actually, I love his mom too. And uh, his mom is still with us. And uh, she's been left behind. But Paul will comfort his mom in every way possible from now on. I'm sure of this. You know, if if you were as fortunate as I am to have met Paul's parents, you'd easily understand why Paul is such a great guy. Rest in peace, Mr. Sorrentino. You will be so very missed. <clears throat> I'd also like to thank the mysterious and vanishing producer, the Queen of Queens, New York, producer Karen, for doing a bang-up job in post post-production each week so that you're able to find us on Spotify, Facebook, and everywhere else podcasts can be found. You can also email us at jvtodepros at gmail.com and leave feedback there if you'd like. Also go on our Facebook page, jvtodepros on Facebook, and leave your comments and compliments there after enjoying the show. So, until we connect again, stay safe and healthy and spread the word about JV to the pros. I'll talk to you guys again very soon. I'm Jack Vecchio, and that was Season 4, Episode 26 of JV to the pros. And remember, I'm not just a pretty. I've got some brains, too. Some of which I've chosen not to use just yet. But I'm more than pretty, I can tell you that. But those brains are there. <laughs> All right. Well, take care, everybody, and we will chat again soon.